Hi, and welcome to the MVR podcast number 24. I'm Rachel Almer. And I'm Peter Jacob. And today we're talking about from constructive struggle to child focused. And as always, Peter, I'd like to invite you. How did we get to this topic this week? Well, actually, <laughs> you came up with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I hate, I hate to go first. Okay, you, you came up with sort of an experience of a home visit uh, with a family. And you described how you see real change in a particular respect that um, that the mother in this family um, is able much more than she used to to de-escalate in the widest sense mm. and then in the same breath you said that she doesn't seem to be able to respond as well as she'd like to to her children's needs. And that was really interesting because it, it sort of seemed that something was missing. Um, and what seemed to be missing was what um, Jaime Mayer calls constructive struggle. Mm. So that's how we, that's how we, um, came up with this idea how, how do you get from from constructive struggle to a child focus how do you get into constructive struggle i guess in the first place de-escalation really is pretty good but that's not mm. well, some people think that nvr is just de-escalation hmm. and quite often in, in training we describe that that nvr isn't just about being non-violent it's very much you know encompassing the, the acts of resistance um, that, that make up the whole of the approach. And so this parent has described some wonderful ways of her practicing being nonviolent and being able to own those, those efforts by having better self-control, noticing by having better self-control that she is less stressed out she is noticing the home is a quieter and more calmer environment, which ultimately is, is what she wants to achieve. Um, yeah. Well, can I, can I sort of just hook on to something? Mm. And I, I think the, the, the idea is, or rather the question, I think, is, well, what, what is nonviolent in the first place? Mm. Nonviolent sounds, when you first hear it, like just just like the absence of physical violence. Mm. But actually, um, that's not what it's about. I remember in 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 back in the '60s during the civil rights movement of the United States, which was a nonviolent movement, people spoke about passive resistance, but mm. actually they dropped that term because there was nothing passive about it. So to me, nonviolence goes far beyond de-escalation. Mm -hmm. De-escalation means causing no harm because mm -hmm. you, you, you make a real effort as a parent 
not to cause harm by escalating with the child. But nonviolence to me means not accepting harm. Mm -hmm. Not accepting harm, getting active against harm without causing harm. That, that's sort of a definition that uh, I heard from my friend Dan Dahlberger. But if I don't accept harm, I can't just aim to de-escalate. I need to also do something about harm caused by others without mm -hmm. causing harm as I become active. To me, that's nonviolence. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really complicated. If we imagine to understand and unpick that whilst you're living with harm, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's that that in itself it sounds it sounds very complicated to to start working on those principles with the family um, in the midst of perhaps a lot of aggression and violence in the home. So, I can understand how it can take a while for it to sit with parents. So, do do you think? the idea in and of itself is complicated or do you think it's more that it's complicated for, for parents to actually absorb that and apply it to their everyday life? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Okay. Because I, I think the idea is, is quite simple. I don't accept harm in anybody else or in myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But let's imagine I'm a parent who has – who has caused harm, who who goes into battle perhaps with my child in a verbal way um, or even in a physical way um, and maybe those behaviours have existed for a long time and along comes an MVR practitioner enabling parents to approach and think about those relationships really differently. You know, I think it can take a while for mm. parents to understand. I guess it, it brings us to the idea of constructive struggle mm. and because NVR doesn't mean to stop resisting. It means to start resisting without harm. Without to non-violently resist yeah. Yeah. the violent behaviors because of your child. If, if as a parent in the past I've resisted um, and escalated in the process of resisting, Mm. my behavior has inadvertently often been harmful. Mm. And um, it, it's made things worse. It's alienated my child. It's hurt my child, perhaps. You know, mm. even if my, if my escalation was, was quite normal, you know, I, I may have blamed the child. I might have said, well, what's the matter with you that you treat me in this way? All that is escalating. I might have stuck around uh, and and persisted, or per, not persisted, insisted. insisted. Yeah, insisted on my child showing remorse for something that they did. That is escalatory. I don't yeah. want to escalate things, but it happens, and it's harmful. Mm. It's harmful also to my child, and it's harmful to me. So. Okay, so that's why in NVR we help people to stop doing these things, but to move into a different kind of re resistance. Mm. And the idea of a struggle, to my mind, 
is that this different kind of resistance is not spontaneous. Much of it is planned. Mm. I plan what I'm going to do so that I will feel in a certain way so that I won't escalate, but also so that I don't accept what the child is doing and give that strong message. So, and, and I think that that's not easy. You said complicated earlier. I think these things are not... Can, can I share something from my own experience? Yeah. As a yeah, father. go on. And I was already, you know, I was doing NVR. I'd been doing NVR for years. And my son did something that infuriated me, my then teenage son. Mm. And I went into his room. I sat down with my back against his door so that the door couldn't be opened. And I broke every NVR rule. I broke every NVR rule. I was <laughs> furious. I was furious with him. And, uh, you know, I sort of said, I'm not leaving until you admit that you didn't hand in this, that, or the other at school. <laughs> and um, it was, it was uh, you know, with hindsight, of course, I wish I could have done it differently. But the thing is, I think I felt able to do that at the time because I felt angry. Oh. And had I not felt angry, I might have lost my mojo. Oh. So there's something about, I think, when parents resist constructively and they want to take action when they've come down from their anger or desperation or whatever it was that they felt, they've got to find in themselves the courage to do it. Yeah. It's easier to do it when you're angry. It's much harder to do it when you're no longer angry. Mm. It's much easier when you're calmer to let that go and not revisit it. Yeah. It's much easier to what a parent might think is avoid that next confrontation. Yeah. Exactly. That's how they might term it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when they feel angry, well, that compensates the, the, the anxiety, you know, the worry. Mm. And now that compensation mm. is gone. Mm. So I, I guess that's where the idea of courage in in NVR comes from. Mm. I'm also thinking of, of Gandhi, who I don't know whether I'm quoting him correctly, but somewhere wrote um, that... Um, Success, no, does not come from physical strength, but from an iron will. Mm. So, the, mm. so I think as parents build up their, their courage to take action rather than just to forget about it because they're not angry anymore, I think as they build up that courage, they also build up their willpower. And, and from what I heard you saying about this family that you visited today, you didn't experience the parent being at that stage yet. You, you experienced them as, as de-escalating, but then mm. 
not taking action yet. Yeah, and I think, you know, a bit of that's about where we're at, the process, mm. um, the regularity of the sessions and life, you know, life gets in the way, other other issues come involved and, and become more of a priority than the work that we're doing. And that's all very natural and understandable. I, I, and, and taking action, you know, the, the R, the resistance, the the taking action is, is the harder part of MVR. I, mean, I think parents can understand and, and begin to practice self-control in the moment around saying less and walking, choosing to walk away. You know, I, I'm not I'm not happy the way you're speaking to me. I'm going to leave the room. I'll be back in 10 more minutes. So I think parents can adopt that quite quickly. Um, but it's the follow-up bit. That it's the action they take next. It's the action they take after. Like you described, you know, waiting for the iron to be cold, but then it's so, so cold that, that it's no point going back to it. Yeah. I wonder what you mean by life getting in the way of taking action. I think for some families, I witnessed the the you know there are other other things that, that come up in their day to day life. Um, you know, family illnesses. You know, people dying, people struggling, people losing their jobs. You know, it's very easy to leave your MVR focus. And, and concentrate on other life mattering mm -hmm. uh, that can easily take priority. And then, you know, the practitioner turns up a week later and it's like, oh, yeah, we're doing MVR. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. It's almost like the MVR was in the drawer. Yeah. So yeah. Which, is, which is understandable. It's understandable. And at the same time, struggle requires persistence, doesn't it? Uh, it because struggle happens over time as opposed to sort of a spontaneous reaction where you know in the past someone lost it and escalated with their kids screamed or whatever mm. it this is this is um, a process that is ongoing mm. and I think that if the parents then, move into action when something really bad has happened again, then they remain reactive. But yeah. of course, what we'd like to help them to, to do is become proactive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'd like to help them to take the initiative. Yeah. Yeah, there was, so I guess it, it, to me, it brings up the question, because we, we, we face that a lot, don't we? Mm. You know, where you said life gets in the way how do we help parents to move from that position of okay de-escalating but then life gets in the way to a position in which they really carry out the struggle in an ongoing way the constructive struggle how, how do we as practitioners help them to do that Really good question, isn't it? And and every family will will get to that place in a different way, in a different path. You know, everyone will take the same path. But I think my theory is that they see a significant change in themselves. They see an inner strength of becoming proactive. They see 
they notice in themselves that this new position they're taking has strength. They are gaining parental agency and parental authority. And that is the driver. Mm-hmm. Witnessing change in front of your eyes, witnessing and feeling the strength that you feel when you take such action. In and you know, these parents are amazing and they are working really hard and and achieving and achieving change in their family and relationships with their young people. But and I think that, that this next stage of our work now, this this active resistance, I think once they've witnessed it, once they, you know, we role played we role played a delivery of announcement and we role played a sit-in and and I could see the shifts the the you know the, the parents thinking the parents imagining doing this with their young person ah okay so that that brings us to imagination <laughs> i've got to imagine i've got to see myself taking action in my mind's eye yeah and as i imagine a new and different way of interacting with my child I become encouraged and motivated to do that. Yeah. And as I do that, I feel stronger. Yeah, strength. Mm. Parental strength. And I guess that strength is something that the child needs. And I think Chaim Omer is probably the first um, psychologist who who looked at that parental strength and what it means for a child's attachment. Mm. Because attachment theory has looked a lot at attunement with the child, at mirroring the child, helping the child develop language to articulate their feelings, being a safe place for the child where the child can come back to if the world outside is scary or difficult. Um, But what attachment theory hasn't yet looked at is how, what what is the role of the parent's strength? Mm. You know, and and Haim Omer developed this notion of the anchoring function of attachment. Mm. So I guess it, it sort of raises the question, what does it do for the child when the parent with strength and experiencing greater strength can push back against the destructive behavior that the child shows. How does the child benefit from that parental strength? Yeah, you know, I think in the entirety of all that is the child witnessing in front of them that strength. And when when I just add to to this, but when we were role playing the sit in, without without prompt or without guidance or coaching, the the father held the mother's hand, mm-hmm. you know, just. But it was really powerful mm-hmm. in the role play, and I was role playing the young person. And when I witnessed the father hold the mother's hand the way he was, it just. You know, as, as as imagining me being their daughter, it just showed this united strength, this united position. It felt really powerful and strong. 
It felt very contained. So, so how, you know, putting yourself in the daughter's shoes, how did that parental strength that you witnessed and that came up through the supportive connection between the parents, mm. how did that make you feel contained in the daughter's shoes, in the child's shoes? I think knowing what I, I've learned from this young person's behaviour, I think I would imagine her witnessing her parents sitting together in this space and in this time and in this within this closeness, within this silence, and witnessing their united position. And they're both singing the same song sheet. They're validating each other's positions I think was really containing it was it made me as a young person feel it just made me feel safer oh so because I mean it, it seems counterintuitive doesn't it my parents are doing something that I don't <laughs> like <laughs> they're I don't know, they're making an announcement, they're doing a sit-in, whatever it is. They're, they're doing something that I don't like. And maybe I'm, I'm making an angry face, maybe I'm scowling, maybe I'm telling them to get out of here, I hate you, or whatever. Yet, somewhere, mm. I feel contained because the strength that I witness makes me feel more secure. Mm. That would seem counterintuitive, wouldn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. And and you know, and, and we role play different position, you know, the mm -hmm. mother played the daughter as well. And she experienced the you know the push wanting to push the parents and the parents remaining mm -hmm. peaceful, quiet and contained. And, you know, it's like, I have nowhere to go with this. I feel safe. So, uh, so I'm, I'm just thinking of what don't, what feelings don't the parents communicate at this moment? Mm. They don't communicate that they're scared of me. They don't communicate that they're disappointed in me. Mm. They don't communicate that... Uh, you're on your own with this. You know, they're abandoning me. They're, they're not you're on your abandoning own. me. As a matter of fact, they're facing me. Yeah. They're, they're holding me while they're telling me that they don't accept what I've done. So there's, there's no hostility. There's no rejection. On the contrary. Um, they, and there's, they're also not scared of me. They're not angry. They're not scared. They're not avoiding that's another thing. Maybe if in the past they've tried to keep a simmering conflict from boiling over by avoiding me, maybe I felt abandoned. They're not avoiding me. They're facing me powerfully. And I'm also guessing if they're this strong without being hostile, without being scared. As a matter of fact, there's a real difference between strength and hostility, isn't there? If they're this strong, then maybe they can protect me when I need protection. Maybe they can, because they're strong, maybe they can hold me when I need comfort. Mm. And they are strong. 
yeah. a really strong yeah. unit. Mm. And I guess it's sort of at this point where a lot of people come out of uh, erasure, you know, they because parents can feel really flat when it comes to what their kids need. Mm. And this is when they've either felt erased, you know, they've felt they didn't matter for their child or they felt terrified of their child and were traumatized or whatever it is. They, they often, they've been flat. You know, they, they struggled to attune to the child. They struggled to get it, what's going on for mm -hmm. the child. Maybe at this point where the parents feel strength and communicate the strength to the child, they can also feel it, find it in themselves to attune to the child more and get more focused on, on the needs of the child. Couldn't have put it better myself, Peter. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think we've got it in a nutshell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All of that in 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll round up. But yeah, you know, I think that constructive struggle shifting into child focused positions, I just love sit-ins. And I love the change it brings about families and relationships and how that space and closeness and time enables a real connection. And it's within that connection that change begins to develop. And I think that's when parents shift. So that's my kind of summary. Well, you know, um, Joe Buchmuller and I were recently interviewed for the Systemic Podcast. Mm -hmm. And Joe referenced you, or quoted you, uh, as uh, calling sit-ins often sitting with. Mm -hmm. And I just had to think of that, you know. Um, sitting with expresses connection, doesn't it? Connect it does, it? Connection in the struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did I come up with that? <laughs> you did, you did. <laughs> anyway, this is our fortnightly podcast. We will endeavour to get another one out in two weeks' time. If anyone does have any uh, questions they would like to, please email at info, um, info at portpartnershipprojectsuk.com. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>